Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, what RJ is having on Wednesday is fascinating to me. I, I have never served in the military as well, but I'm kind of one of those guys that loves uh, listening to those who have been in the military. And I always want to hear their stories and what boot camp was like and what their basic training was like. My, my father uh, was part of the, the draft era, and so he uh, was in the army. And it's always fun to hear those stories. And one of the, the common themes that I get from boot camp and basic training is the education of it, the education. And uh, it's not necessarily education like we think of when we go to a school and you sit at a desk, but it's an education nonetheless. Um, it, it's interesting. You'd think that um, all, many of us have gone through training at our job and it's a s- simple thing, right? They t- they show you where you you know, you can put this and do that. This is the paper you use when you do this. This is what time we start. This is what time we finish. This is what you're supposed to wear. It's real simple. Uh, and yet in, in the military, uh, there is a sense of urgency. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, people who uh, they speak of their time in the military and they always remember getting yelled at. And some of you remember yelling at them. You know, we have people in our church that have been on the other side of the yelling too. Uh, that you've been yelled at, but they've also been the ones yelling at uh, those. And and there, there's a sense of urgency. There's not a sense of please and thank you. There's not a uh, this idea that this is an optional class you can take if you really want to learn this information. It is an education uh on how to be in your branch of the military, what it is to be uh, a Marine, what, what it is to be a soldier, what that looks like. And uh, the reason they go through this intense training is because uh, it, it's important and it's different. It's very different. Uh, we used to always joke in the youth ministry from time to time, uh, you know, some kids would say, hey, I'm thinking about going in the military. And I, I remember a couple of them saying, yeah, I think I'm going to go in the military. And everyone busting out laughing. Uh, and they said, you know, you're such a mama's boy. You'd never last. And they'd go back and forth. No, I can make it. I can make And, you know, it, it's an interesting thing because life outside is different than life inside. Uh, and it's dramatically different. And that's why they have boot camp and basic training, uh, because it's preparation to be someone different and not just to be someone different but you're preparing for war you're preparing for war and not just preparing for war preparing to win war right uh i think that's critical as we think about this today is winning is winning not just participating but winning uh to be on the winning side the conqueror if you will um, and so uh, with that in mind, this is where we are this morning in First Peter. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1, we're continuing our study. And uh, what a rich study. We've looked at the, the great salvation that we have. And now we are in verse 13. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. God's word says this. Therefore... Uh, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully 
on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would help us uh, to understand it and may it be uh, that transforming power in our lives. God, help us not to think of ourselves as the same type of person apart from you as we are with you. God, do your work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we look at God's word this morning, I have three points, um, and they're all about living, living. And, and uh, in the past weeks, we've talked about how the, it's so rich to have a salvation. It's so overwhelming to know what we have, uh, have in our salvation. In fact, we ended up with the angels stooping down to try to understand and to grasp how great our salvation is, and they don't get it. They long to know, but they still don't know. And so uh, if our salvation is so great, if we have such riches, uh, we're going to live differently. And that's what we're getting into this morning. That's even as we look at our passage, the therefore, it connects us. We have such a great salvation. This is how we should live in light of it. Uh, Think about this this morning. It's not just, oh, that's neat. I have that but that this should change the way we live this afternoon, this afternoon, this week, how we approach our problems, how we uh, consider our families, how we raise our children. Um, This is a a different kind of way, uh, a dramatic difference that the gospel makes in us. So verse 13, we find action living, action living. It says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, I want to point something out here that uh, it's it's a mindset. It's a mindset. You have to think differently. You won't necessarily look differently, right? Uh, We'll have the same family characteristics. We we can uh, live our whole life and our, our family characteristics will have a certain look about us. And we come to know Christ and it's not that those change. The dramatic change is in our mind, the way we think, uh, what we're about, what our values are. That changes our mind, okay? And so we have um, this, this idea that we are action living, but it's an issue of our mind that is at stake. This passage um, is so interesting, and it says this same sort of thing three or four other places in the scripture, but it says, prepare your minds. Um, If you have the King James in front of you, it says, gird up your loins. That sounds serious, right? Uh, There's a picture there. There's a picture there, and you're saying, "Uh, what is that picture? I'm going to tell you. Uh, So... Uh, in biblical times, uh, most of the time they would uh, live in robes, which uh, is really a long dress, a long dress. In fact, I, I read one uh, commentator said that really it was the same clothing 
uh, for men and women, just the colors were different, okay? Uh, it was kind of like shopping at the Gap. Think about that for a moment. Uh, can't tell. Uh, yeah, can't, anyways, uh, but it's like a it's like a full length dress, and it was meant for the air, uh, the area, and it was meant to be comfortable. Uh, but you can imagine, uh, and I don't want to get into too many details here. But uh, ladies, have you ever tried to run or do anything important in a full length dress? Uh, it, it's real. Easy as as it goes all the way to the ground to catch your toe or uh, your sandal or whatever. Uh, the idea of running th- this isn't what runners wear. Uh, they don't wear robes, full length dresses. They don't do that. That might be an Olympic event if they did. Right? Uh, it would add some skill to it that uh, other running events do not. Uh, it, it was made to be comfortable, but not necessarily to. I do anything important in, okay? And so the picture here is this, and there's differing ideas of what that meant, but for the most part, it's the idea of, of pulling it up and tying it up and getting ready to do work, ready to do work. Um, as you think about this, you think about this, uh, there's a difference between ready to work and ready to play, right? Um, so, some of you men, grouchy old men here today, you know who you are. Uh, but um, if uh, if we had a work day here, some of you grouchy old men, and uh, we invited the youth to come, and they started rolling in, and they were wearing flip flops, what would that make you think? Are you going to the beach? Going surfing? You know, yeah. Not ready to work, right? Not ready to work. Uh, the, the idea of even shorts at times are, are not the right uniform, right? It's not, it's not the thing that you're doing. And, and, and the picture here is this of a soldier getting ready to go to war. Uh, he, he's looking, and it's not just, by the way, it's not just about being in a uniform. It's not... It's not about that. It's being ready to work and to do important things. You, uh, uh, you, you prepare your outfit and what you have and you say, if I'm going to go into hand-to-hand combat right now, I need to be ready. The, the, the idea of having that full-length robe and the idea of that tripping you up, uh, you know, so, some of us think it's really funny when somebody trips, you know, somebody falls. It's really funny. Uh, It's not that funny when you're in hand-to-hand combat, right? And you'll lose your life because of it. Uh, And so there's this picture of personal preparation. Um, I want to tell you that it's it's the mindset that we are preparing for action, preparing for war. I think about that, and um, I think about how often uh, we truly do this. Wake up in the morning and say, I got some big stuff to do today. I can't be messing around. I, I've got to change my mindset. 
Uh, maybe as we think about um, our marriage and say, you know, uh, this just isn't about my comfort. This isn't just about what I want. This is a danger. This is a danger. And I need to be prepared for it in my mind for the action of the war of what might happen. You think about raising your kids and you say, oh, it doesn't matter today. We'll just kind of do with whatever comes to us. No, well, you're preparing, right? You're preparing for war. You're, and, and in so doing, you're preparing them for war. I, I can't get away from it this week. I just can't get away from it. This idea that their lives, and because their lives are important, my life is important. And this idea that, that this isn't something that I can give or take or whatever, whatever happens, it's fine, I guess. No, it's important. It's, it's, he calls on us to prepare in our minds for the action that is to come. Maybe in our culture today, it's the idea of rolling up your sleeves, right? Uh, you had that long sleeve shirt on and, you know, it looked good. It was meant to uh, portray, but now you're going to work. Now you're going to do something. This action living that he calls us to has really two components that he gives us. The first one is that of, uh, of gathering up the loose ends of our mind and, and really focusing and this idea that we are getting ready for war. Um, I just want to tell you that that may take a lot of different forms, a lot of different forms for us. Um, it may be shifting away from the things that we think are important to the things that are truly important. It may be for us to sort out, this is important, this is not important. This is where my mind needs to be. This is not where my mind needs to be. I want to tell you, um, some of us uh, have this idea that our mind is in charge. And we'll just let our life just follow our mind around wherever our mind should go. Don't do it. You'll end up in dark places. Selfish living prideful choices that will bring destruction to you and your family, your mind. And so he calls on us to really bring up those loose ends of our mind. The second piece of that um, is the idea of sobriety, sobriety. Uh, Back in our passage, verse 13, he says, uh, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. When you hear that word sober, Undoubtedly, you think of alcohol, right? Uh, what is someone uh, when they're drunk? In fact, uh, when someone's drunk and they say something crazy and it gets quoted back to them or somebody says it, what do they say? Oh, they were drunk. They were drunk. Uh, they can't be trusted because they were drunk. They weren't thinking clearly because they were drunk. Okay. Um, I, I don't believe this particular passage is going to come back to this word later in the book, but I don't think this is necessarily talking about alcohol. It's not, not talking about it either, okay? Uh, it's the idea of being um, controlled or out of our minds because of something out there. It's being the idea of not thinking clearly. I, I want to tell you that um, when you're not you don't have sober thinking, you shouldn't be making decisions for you or anybody else. That's why drunk driving is such a big deal. Do you get it? 
So you're, you know, it's one thing to be drunk at home on the couch. But then you hop behind the, the wheel of a car and maybe there's some people in the car. You're in charge of the decisions that for them. But you're also in charge of the decisions of the other people you might meet on the road. And when I say meet, you might meet them. Okay? And so a sober, a person that's not in their right mind should not be making decisions for themselves or others. Um, just to let you know, uh, I always want you to think about this. You're drinking. You're drinking. Uh, if you're getting drunk, it's wrong in the eyes of God. Okay? He calls on us. He says, don't be drunk with wine or, you know, the idea of controlled by that. that we shouldn't be controlled by alcohol. But this idea of clear thinking and sober-minded, it's critical for us to make decisions. And the more people that are riding on your decisions, the more important it is. And think about this in the context of what we've already learned about this passage. He says, prepare your minds for action. Okay, prepare your minds for going to war. Be sober-minded. Think about the Air Force. You know, you're a pilot and you're going into war and um, you're in charge of this gazillion-dollar plane and you have a mission to do, okay? And you're at the controls, but, you know, you're kind of feeling crazy inside. And so maybe you do some drinking or maybe even just you're lost in your thoughts and grief and depressed or whatever else. And then they give you controls of this gazillion dollar plane to go on a mission that's critical. You realize how bad that is, right? You realize that trusting someone who's not sober-minded, not in their right minds, uh, is, is awful. And, and the picture here is this, that because of the importance of our salvation and because of the war that is at hand, because he's called us to action sort of living, he says, Your mind should be a mind that's sober, a a mind of sobriety. And when you're not thinking clearly, when you're not thinking clearly, you're a detriment to yourself and to others. It's dangerous, okay? He, he, once again, it's a mind, right? Your mind is is thinking about, I have a mind of action. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to war. My mind is clear so that I can think clearly and I can think what God wants me to do in this war. And lastly, my mind, my mind, in verse 13, it says this, um, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The last piece of where your mind should be is focused on the, the coming of your salvation to all the benefits coming to fruition at the end. Uh, when Jesus Christ is revealed. And this idea that that day will matter and should guide this day. I want to encourage you. Think about the end. Think about the end. It's very important to think about the end. It's important to think about the end when you're going to work. It'll help you realize and put in perspective your job, your work. It's important, but it's not that important, is it? You think about uh, your children and, and think about the end for them. Think about the end for you with them, right? That you won't be here forever. 
So you got some stuff you got to say. You, you got some uh, example to be, right? Right now. You can't do this when you're gone. And so this idea that you're living for that day, that your hope is not in today, that it's in that day uh, when Christ will come and uh, all the benefits of eternity will be yours. Um, it's interesting even how it uh, says it there. It says, set your hope fully on the grace of, that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember this too. It's not about your performance. I think sometimes we, uh, we want to tell our kids, if you just do everything right, God will be happy with you. That's a terrible message. That is a terrible, that's heresy is what that is. You're a heretical parent preacher uh, when you share that with your kids. Okay? Meant to be burned at the... St- no, anyways. Uh, no, I don't go too far. I, I just... I, I want to tell you that. I want, I want you to know that that message that you want to leave with your kids is a message of grace. That your, their obedience to Christ is good for them. It's not an issue of, I'm, I'm happy with you. I'm mad at you. Uh, but that it is a message of grace. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. That he, he wanted to give us something that we could not earn. Uh, this is our hope that we want to be fixed on in this life of action. Before we move on, once again, I just want to encourage you, this is an issue of your mind first. And your mind needs to be educated differently if it thinks otherwise. Uh, you need to ask yourself, am I thinking clearly about this? Is this the way God would have me think? Am, am I prepared for the things ahead? Are, are my kids prepared? Am I, are we thinking the right things that would turn out uh, in the right actions that would please the Lord. So action living. Secondly, obedient, not ignorant living. Obedient, not ignorant living. I wanted to just say ignorant living, but that's not the point, but I, I like the way it sounded better, so I just said obedient, not ignorant living. Verse 14 says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. Obedient children. And I just talked about obedience, and some of you are saying, well, you're talking about out of both sides. No, I'm not. Why should a, a child obey their parents? Why? Think about that. I know how kids think about it, and see, even somehow... Uh, sometimes how parents think about it. Parents think, you're driving me crazy. You need to stop that. So I won't go crazy. You need to stop what you're doing. That's not the point of obedience, by the way. If you're crazy, maybe you shouldn't be in charge, right? Uh, uh, o- o- obedience for children, what, what is that? Uh, parents go, yeah, my, my mom and dad have all these dumb rules and I have to, they keep telling me I have to obey them or God's going to be mad at me and God doesn't like obedient children. And like, uh, so, they, so I need to obey. And what it means is if I want to have fun and have a good life, uh, I need, that's disobeying. But if I obey, my life will be horrible, but uh, I guess my parents will be happy and God will be happy. <laughs> that's kind of how we think about it either from the child's perspective or the parent's perspective, but that's not the scriptures. It's not. It says obedient children. The picture is that God gave parents to children and children to parents, right? 
And what, why is that? Because children need parents to have a good life. A, a child left to the, themselves will do whatever they want and it will turn out bad for them. And parents that are doing what they're supposed to be doing will raise their children in such a way that it will set them up for success for a good life. And so uh, a child should obey their parents because it's going to be good for them. It's going to be good for them. And the, the parents should uh, have rules and encouragements for their kids that would set them up for a good life. Obedient children, not robotic, but hearing the loving voice of their father and saying, oh, he loves me. He loves me, so I'm going to obey. He pictures this and he says, uh, just like obedient children, he says, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. Um, the, the, passions, the passions are this idea of impulsive behavior, impulsive behavior that you're not really thinking about. You just want to do it. You just want to do it. Uh, that's what the passions are. And uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, even God changes passions. Um, it's it, so amazing that after you come to know Christ and you learn about him, and uh, he changes that which really lights you up inside. And so then the things that he has changed, uh, you're excited to do, but they're also good for you. But what he's pointing out here is that um, we need to be different. It needs to be this idea of obedient living to our Heavenly Father, not ignorant living. See, these passions of our former ignorance, these impulsive acts, were not based on that which is good, but that which seems right at the moment. Our eyes see it. We want to do it. We do it. It feels good for a moment. And then we suffer the aftermath. Um, I've known parents who their kids have struggled with uh, drinking uh, and living it up at night. And uh, one of their methods was to wake them up at 7 o'clock in the morning the night after and, and force them to do something and, and to draw them into something important. And, and the feeling of being incapable of doing that reminds them that whatever I was doing last night didn't help me this morning. And that this is the point is that to be able to see clearly the ignorance of our former life. And I want to tell you this. I want to, I want to be really clear that we go from being ignorant of what God is doing. So uh, some have struggled with whether this is ignorant of uh, God the Father and the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law. The Old Testament law is clear. God has some things that he wants you to do. They're good for you, and he calls you to obey. And the best thing for you to do is to obey him, or ignorant of the gospel because of Jesus Christ. Now we're in the New Testament. Uh, Peter has, they hadn't seen uh, Jesus crucified, but he had, and he was sharing the story. I want to tell you it's the plan of God, right? Many of you remember this very vividly. You didn't grow up hearing the gospel. You didn't grow up in a church. You didn't go to vacation Bible school. And so you didn't know the story. And so you just kind of went what, with whatever was going on. And that would be your former ignorance. And you could tell me stories of dumb things you did and the cost that it brought to your life. But he's saying, now leave that behind. I want to encourage you. Some of you here today are saying, yeah, uh, 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a heavy drinker Christian. I, I'm, I'm a cussing Christian. I, I'm an immoral Christian. Like, like I, I look at things and it's, it's not a big deal. I'm forgiven, but like I just still have, I want to tell you, there should be a dramatic change in your life. And he's calling on you. Look at the scripture. I didn't write this, okay? It says, that's your former ignorance. You didn't know. Now you know. Now you're an obedient child. This is the way we're to live. Which brings me to my third point. The kids are stirring around in the back. I hear them. Holy living. Holy living. That word holy. See, we look down at uh, verse 15. He says, but uh, as he who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That word holy is the idea of being set apart. It's not common, uh, common tools. It's not common things used, you know, to shovel, shovel out the horse manure, right? It's something special and protected for uh, a special purpose. You know what that special purpose is? For serving him. That your life, your body, your actions, your thoughts, that that is now meant to be set apart, set apart for God. Uh, you you want to think in terms of uh, that my life, my thoughts, my, who I am, I am not meant for those old sins. I am meant to be set apart wholly unto him. I, I want to encourage you to have this thought process once again in your mind where when you see something perverse or you are tempted in some way, you say, you know what? I, I used to do that. I used to do that. Uh, but, but God has saved me from that and I'm to be set apart. I'm no longer that guy. Uh, You know why? Because I have a new one that I am following. For the one that I am following is holy. So I should be holy. He saved us to be holy, just like himself. And then that last part is a quote from the Old Testament. The same God of the Old Testament that was holy is the same God that we're following today in holiness. Three things as we close our time. Remember these things. The first one is this. Your life is dramatically different because of Jesus. Your life is dramatically different because of Jesus. You may used to have been this person, but now you're a different person wholly because of him. Second thing, remember this. You you are in and prepared for winning a battle. Okay? This is not um, a walk on the beach, right? This is not uh, a day roaming around um, Cabela's or the Bass Pro Shop. I remember we were traveling and, you know, uh, saw a Bass Pro Shop. And for people like us, it's pretty exciting. And so we, uh, me and my kids, this, this is a while ago. We don't do this anymore. But we went in the boat section. And uh, all of us were driving boats around in our minds. We were hopping on them and acting like we were driving and hopping on quads. And we were thinking, thinking we're a big deal. Things that we'd never be able to afford. But this idea that we were, we were doing, we're just playing around. I want to tell you, we are not just playing around. We are not. Uh, we are in a battle. We are preparing and prepared for a battle. And the last thing I tell you to remember is this. You are set apart for God. You're set apart for God. Maybe, maybe no one else is in your family. Maybe, maybe you're at your work, you're the only one. But you need to think of yourselves not as better, 
but you are different, dramatically different. Not because you have done it, but because Jesus has set you apart to follow after him. This is what you're for. This is what life will be like for you as we follow the Lord. God, thank you for this morning. We ask your blessing on your church. We thank you for all that's going on. It seems like a lot. God, we ask that you would help us to prepare for the battle that you have for us. We do ask for your protection on our children. I ask that you would prepare the minds of the parents here and the grandparents as they fill their roles. May they not think that life is a waste and meant to be wasted, but uh, to help those and to prepare those that come after them. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.